CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, catching you up after a tumultuous week. The major indices ending the day down almost, or more than 1% lower. The Dow down nearly 400 points as First Republic and other regionals resume their slide. However, for the week, the Dow is nearly unchanged. The S&P moderately higher. The Nasdaq is up more than 4%. That Nasdaq number, though, may be giving investors a false sense of security. We'll explain that. Plus, bank contagion aside, we are still in the midst of earnings season when restaurant stock could provide welcome refreshments. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action Live at the Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Bono and Eisen. But before we dive into our big markets discussion, we wanted to provide you with an options PSA of sorts on risk management. There is a unique occurrence happening around options in SVB and similar names that could leave you vulnerable if you're not sure how to handle it. Mike, you did tweet out a warning earlier this week, and it's worth repeating as we look down the options chain further out in time. Yeah, you know, one of the important things to remember is that, you know, you do occasionally get special circumstances. You might trade options on uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, on Signature Bank of New York, and then suddenly you wake up one day and the stocks have been halted. And so your question probably is, what becomes of the options that I currently hold? So it's interesting and it's available publicly. If you're interested, you can go to the OCC.com. That's the Options Clearing Corporation, and they publish info memos. And it is from there that I learned the following. First things first, the Options Clearing Corporation was imposing and is imposing no restriction on exercising options in Signature Bank and in Silicon Valley Bank uh, shares. So that means if you hold puts that are expiring either today or the subsequent expirations, you can still exercise those options. That's not to say that there aren't some important changes, though. Number one, the Options Clearing Corp normally automatically exercises options that are in the money by a penny or more, and they suspend that in the event of trading halts as you have in this case. So both of these stocks are halted. The options are not gonna be exercised automatically. You need to instruct your broker. Secondly, the NSCC is not gonna be handling the exercise and assignment settlement process. That's broker to broker now. Now this isn't something that customers really need to worry too much about, but one of the side effects of this is that it's going to be a little bit more cumbersome. The shares aren't necessarily available to borrow. So what's going on here? The OCC is going to make accommodations if it is necessary to do so if the shares aren't available. So if there are settlement problems, they can actually push back the settlement date. They can even change the deliverable. So for example, if you exercise puts, there is a chance that rather than needing to deliver the shares, they are going to come up with some kind of cash settlement process. The important thing for you to think about is whether the value of these underlying stocks is below the strike of the puts that you own. I assume nobody's going to be exercising their call options. Um, and you would want to exercise those options if you believe that they are. First Republic just announced that they're going to be doing a private investment, uh, which is sometimes known as a pipe transaction. It's different than a secondary. That stock is actually trading lower after hours. And the stock is down more than 75% since last Thursday, which, by the way, is the last time that those other banks were trading. So if you're wondering, is Silicon Valley Bank less than where it was trading when it was still available to do so? Same thing with Signature. 
I would just say, look at the bank that's still alive. Look at the bank that just received $30 billion in deposits. Look at the bank that just announced that they're going to do a pipe transaction stock 75% lower than it was. The value of Signature Bank, the va to the extent that there is any value at all, the value of Silicon Valley Bank shares, to the extent that there's any value at all, must be lower than it was when they were still available to trade. All right. Um, let's get to the broader markets now. Uh, what a week. Stocks whipsawing between gains and losses as investors grappled with the fallout from Silicon Valley Bank and the impact on the rest of the market. The bank drama causing some unusual options volume in ETFs like the XLF and KRE, maybe no surprise, but also stirring up action of the TLT and even the XLE energy ETF. First, though, let's set the stage with the S&P 500. Carter, a quick recap of uh, what you think of the S&P here. Right. So just to maybe put it in perspective in terms of numbers, year to date is an arbitrary time frame different at the end of the year. But what we have year to date is an equal weight S&P that is down one percent versus the S&P up two, the S&P 100 up four and a half, the S&P top 50 up eight and a half, meaning it's it's in perfect order of the larger you are, the better you are. And then, of course, the Qs are up 15 percent without the move in the Qs the market would be much worse. This is elemental. So the question is, what do we do about the move in the queues? Do you chase that with others, or is it itself already getting overdone? My hunch is it's the latter, and it itself is already getting overdone. The latter being the, it's overdone. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, we, we had this um, this outperformance that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Pretty much if you chart the Qs or GLD or any of the safe haven type of assets against banks, you'll see pretty much an inverse chart. So I do tend to think that, as Carter mentioned earlier, who is your incremental buyer? And as you've known for quite some time, I've kind of been leaning bearish. I think rates and everything else kind of point to a declining economic outlook. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Mike agrees with these two gentlemen here in New York. That was a very good bet. Uh, very prescient of you. Uh, I, I, look, you know, the situation here is that these the, the biggest firms, the ones that have been doing best most recently, um, are actually also among the more expensive ones. And so if you are looking for value, this isn't the place you want to be. And these broad indices, whether you're looking at something like the sector ETF XLK or the Qs, this is going to be propelled and is largely dictated by its largest constituent stocks. These are all the familiar names, the FANG names or the MAGA names, if we're going to borrow from Dan Nathan's acronyms. These are the ones that uh, have been outperforming of late. And of course, if you're looking to press a short or if you're looking to hedge your existing portfolio, which frankly, for most of us, that's exactly what you're going to be doing if you put on a bearish bet here because you still own stocks most likely. Uh, you know, you're dealing with slightly higher implied volatilities and slightly higher skews. What that means is that the out-of-the-money puts are trading at a bigger premium to the at-the-monies uh, than you historically would see. So I think you can just look out to May. You can put uh, a put spread on in the triple Qs as a mechanism to hedge. Uh, and you have a better opportunity to do so now that these things have gone up a little bit. I was looking at the 300-275 put spread uh, in May. And you can risk about 2% of the value of the underlying QQQ shares to put that trade on and get some nice downside protection. Now, this is different than an outright tail hedge. This is different than making a big bearish bet. Um, you know, this is just basically looking for, you know, maybe range bound to weaker really is what we're thinking. Uh, this is the, a trade that's very similar to the ones that I have on in SPX. All right. Um, let's get to the banks here and uh, talk about what we've seen in the XLF, as well as the regionals. I would imagine, Carter, that the charts, you know, look similar. They do. I mean, the, the regional banks are sort of a beta trade within financials, obviously insurance stocks, which are also getting hurt. Asset managers also hurt. But the regional banks are, are the epicenter of, of the problem. The issue is this. There is weakness to take advantage of. 
right, discounts that are good, and then there's weakness to stay away from, discounts that are bad. Uh, it's not a discount. It's a value trap. You want to stay away from the weakness in banks. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, this is a real, this is deep end of the pool stuff now, as we can see. I mean, all you need to do is is take a look at uh, how the regionals did this week. It's been exceptionally choppy. Uh, I certainly have fielded a lot of questions from people who have wondered whether this is a good opportunity to get in. It is really important to remember that when you're dealing with financial stocks, these are levered balance sheets. It doesn't take much for things to go a little bit sideways. Uh, I really think you want to see things settle out a little bit more before you start dipping your foot into the water here. All right. And let's uh, move on to TLT. Um, you're talking about the safe haven trades. So what do you think of this trade at this point? You know, it's this move has been, I mean, particularly we're talking about rates. We're talking yeah. about volatility within the rate sector, which to me is like uh, been extremely exacerbated by what's been going on lately. And I, I think that's what catches your eye. You know, I'd be more inclined to kind of play here because you know what, you can really drill down into the Fed and really get a better understanding of monetary policy and which way they're going to go versus trying to understand what happens in a situation where there's an infusion in a particular regional bank and what happens when those assets get marked to market. So I still think there's quite a bit of trading opportunity in the fixed income portion uh, uh, of your ETFs and indices. And I'd be looking here for opportunities while the Fed and policy remains front and center. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about gold now. There's a big Fed decision coming up, right? And so uh, that happens on Wednesday. One safe haven trade could see a big move higher on the rate resolution. So, Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, if we start to see, look at what TLT did today. When, when bonds are going up, rates are going down. If rates are going down, that's going to be gold. Gold also tends to be a safe haven in times of, of trouble. I think we're seeing that. We've had some uh, good-sized moves in it uh, this week. My thinking is you want to own it here. Um, I think it's a good hedge against the portfolio. I think it's a good hedge in the rate picture. And so I was actually trying to take advantage of the dynamic that we have. So I was talking before about SKU, which is essentially how out-of-the-money put options on equity indices tend to trade at a premium to the at-the-money volatilities. Now, when you're dealing with commodities such as gold, the exact opposite dynamic exists, and that is because a lot of people think of gold as a safety trade, and you'll see a premium to those out-of-the-money call options instead. And you can take advantage of that when you're trading an option structure on it by buying a call spread. Typically, the math doesn't work for you, but in this case, it actually does. I was looking out again to May at the 185, 200. So that 185 strike is very close to at-the-money. And you could buy that $15 call spread for a little over 3 bucks. So once again, risking uh, just over 2% or so of the current value of the underlying to make a bullish bet here. Look, you know, gold is going to trade off the news we get next week with the FOMC decision. We can expect that if the rates stay where they are, and in the very unlikely case that they would go lower, I don't see how they could possibly justify that. But if they did, then it would be off to the races for sure. And of course, if you have a little bit of a barbell on, uh, that's when you could could really uh, see it pay off on both sides. Um, we know, Carter, that at the beginning of the year, you really liked the gold trade and you probably like it even more now. I do. I mean, if you think about it just in the perspective of the market's peak was for January 2022. And we know that right now the S&P is down about 19 percent. And gold miners, GDX, they're down, but they're down only two or three. They're still stocks. But gold itself is up eight, nine since then. And it is doing its job, right? It is a hedge. It has always been a hedge. And it is serving that purpose in a perfect way. 
Is this a hedge for you, Bonoan? It is. It's not the only one, but I, I definitely think this is a worthwhile hedge, particularly, particularly considering that there's a worry about contagious, contagion and credit quality. Gold is definitely one of those places you'd be looking for in that type of event. What are the other hedges you have? Uh, listen, I think the, the um, evangelists of Bitcoin would argue that these are the exact type of times that we look for those type of securities for. And you can argue whether it's a commodity or security. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that. But I think being that there is a concern about the viability of our underlying banking system, mm -hmm. I think you could argue that Bitcoin is actually exactly is actually in place for exactly these type of events. What do you say to young Bonwin? I, you know, it's funny. I'm not sure I know anything about it other than the chart looks okay. But I'm not <laughs> sure anybody really knows uh, what Bitcoin is. Well, the chart looking okay is, is a lot. Um, yes. But, uh, Mike, in terms of other hedges, um, I'm guessing well, not Bitcoin well, you know for you, but... <laughs> You know what's interesting about the, the Bitcoin conversation is mm -hmm. that it used to be a, a really good barometer of the risk-on, risk-off trade. But take a look at what we got out of it today. So in a risk-on, risk-off environment, what you would expect would be correlation between Bitcoin and equities. But if it does serve as an anti-correlated hedge, which is what Bonwin is suggesting here, you would expect it to rise when equities fall, which is indeed exactly what we saw today. I don't have an exposure to it, but I could understand why one might. Um, the other hedges that I would advocate are exactly the ones we've already discussed. Mm -hmm. You can put on uh, put spreads in index or index proxies. Uh, you can own gold. Um, and in the case of TLT, it's interesting because, of course, options premia tend to be relatively low there, and it's moving around more than it historically does. Uh, so that also, I think, uh, is a mechanism that you can use to hedge uh, directionally by using options on TLT. All right. Still to come, a potential bright spot after an agonizing market week, a restaurant stock on deck to report results. So how should you be positioning? An options order is up next. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's been a busy week of market action, to say the least. And next week's not looking any different. Even with everything else going on, we've still got big names slated to report quarterly results. If you're looking for a bright spot in the sea of red, the traders may have a name for you. So, Mike, what are you looking at? Yeah, so we're taking a look at, at Darden restaurants. Now, uh, this is an interesting situation because, you know, we have a lot of economic turmoil um, that we're confronting ourselves with. And, you know, this is maybe a discretionary area. But I think what's interesting about Darden is that, uh, you know, from an operational standpoint, they're doing quite well. They've seen sales and margin outperformance. We actually did see an uptick in uh, seated diners uh, over the over the most recent reports that we've seen for this. And this is a company that has a decently strong balance sheet. They have good size, and I think that puts them in a competitive advantage. As I was pointing out, of course, the downsides here are that we are in a tough economic environment. We could see people pulling back, and Darden does trade at a bit of a premium to the group. So. As I was taking a look at this, 
you know, a couple of things to think about over the past uh, 10 to 12 reported earnings. What we've really seen is uh, generally positive uh, stock performance coming out of earnings, but the moves tend over the course of the next month or so to be generally pretty muted. In fact, this upcoming earnings report is going to uh, represent the, the final in the last three years. We haven't really seen moves more than 10%, except going back uh, a little bit longer than that. So I think what you could do is look at putting on a call diagonal. I was looking at putting on an April-May call diagonal, buying the longer dated, essentially at the money, 150 calls, spending uh, just under six bucks for those, and then selling the nearer dated 155s in April against it. This does not have weekly uh, options. Net-net, you're gonna be spending about $3.60 a contract to put this trade on, so a little over 2% of the current stock price. This is the kind of trade that you want to use if you have a modestly bullish view going into a catalyst such as earnings. You know, if you see a situation like we saw in FedEx this week where they just blow the doors off and the stock is up something like 12% in a day, I'm including the, the intraday move as well as the aftermarket move after they reported, this is the kind of trade that's not going to work as effectively. That's where you're looking for a really big directional play. But this is for that modest 5 to 10% upside over the course of the month following earnings that you're looking for. Carter, what do you think? Well, I think that's exactly right. The word modest upside is what we're looking at. And that's not a bad thing. In this environment, upside is upside. So we know that the stock's relative performance to McDonald's, to Chipotle, to Yum, in fact, to the S&P 500 restaurant sub-industry group is very, very good. And you can see here on the screen, the chart is, is uh, what I would call up and to the right in a benign way. It's not a, a big, robust thing like in NVIDIA, which in many ways is too far, too fast. It, it looks headed higher. And I would want to be long going into the print. Yeah. How about you, Bonwin? You know, if one was to want to play into the discretionary area, I think services have outperformed goods. It's not a think. They, they have outperformed goods. Uh, and this, this company's been delevering pretty uh, consistently since 2020. I also like the fact that you're taking advantage of, like, the earnings premium on the short-dated option. And it gives you a bit of flexibility that if you want to, to put on another spread going out to May. Mike, are you concerned at all that in this earnings season, companies are going to have sort of a free pass to just take down guidance given all the uncertainties? Well, first of all, if they have a free pass, then you would expect that that's going to be baked in a little bit. I mean, you know, we have seen some weakness. This one did trade off a little bit today. And that's actually one of the reasons why you want to use uh, options in a situation like this. You know, we, we are in a fairly volatile market condition. Uh, if you could own the stock or you could own an options trade that risks a little over 2% of it to make a modestly bullish bet rather than getting long the stock, I think that's the way to play it. And you know, that's a good way to think about options trades in an environment like this. These are a substitute for long or short equity positions. Coming up after a huge week of action, we are answering your questions. Got a lot of them. Call to the tweets is next. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, I recently purchased Bank of America shares from my Roth IRA. What's your thought on the 31 June 16, 2023 calls for potential swing on a gap fill? Bonon, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is challenging, particularly considering that it's your Roth IRA. You're essentially using time at your advantage as you continue to build wealth. Using something that's so short dated in your Roth IRA essentially gives you uh, the risk of burning up all of that option premium. So I would actually prefer that you just buy the stock if you want the long exposure. All right. Our next tweet says in 2021 and 2022, the Treasury yield and U.S. dollar index were quite tightly correlated with the recent increases in Treasury yields. Do you anticipate a similar increase in the dollar index? Carter. 
Well, so I'm in the camp, and ultimately, that rates go lower and equities go lower. And the dollar here is my work a pair of twos. Uh, they're not uh, that correlated right now. I think the dollar is going to sit tight even as rates go lower. That's like your favorite phrase these days. If there were a game Because you know what it is. It's real wisdom, I think. <laughs> Sometimes there are pairs. It does not, it's not always right. the buyer or sell. That's, that is very true. Um, our next fan asks, with the volatility coming from banks affecting the broader market, how would you feel about selling Palantir puts for the $7 strike June 16th? Mike. Okay, so first of all, I, I like the way you're thinking here, which is that when volatility is elevated and you have a stock that you like, maybe you can take advantage of it by selling some cash-covered puts. The worst thing that happens is the stock falls and you potentially own it at a discount to the current share price. Those June puts you're talking about would yield you just shy of 8% over the course of the next 90 days. And if the stock is put to you, the good news is it's going to be at about 18% discount to where the stock closed today. That said, I'm not super crazy about Palantir itself. And there's something else to think about, one in support of your idea and one's a potential risk. There's a high short interest here. That actually creates a little bit of a floor sometimes for stocks, even if the market hates them, because if it declines, you're going to see those short covering rallies. Of course, that also provide some upside skewness potentially. But I, I like where your head's at. And if you like Palantir, go forth and prosper. It's quite a compliment when Mike says he likes where your head is at. I'll tell you that much. Final tweet here is selling NVIDIA April 21, 175 calls a smart strategy given its tremendous run up and sky high valuation. Bonowin? Yeah, the deep in the money calls don't really offer you much value. I would not suggest selling those. If you're intent on kind of selling something, maybe the 275 or 300 might, might, might make for a better trade. How does that chart look? Steep, uncorrected, crowded, I don't know, things like that. Bad? Well, sell or not sell, I would. All right, up next, final call. Time for the final call. Carter. Gold, you want to be long, and oil, too. Bonowin. I tend to agree. GLD, I like Mike's trade. Mike. That makes all of us on the exact same page, but I think you want to use call spreads to make that bullish bet in gold. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 for more Options Action, but don't go anywhere. Taking stock with Eamon Javers starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.